So I want to I want to tell you a story uh, about a time uh, that I was in Dubai, but but like look like I'm not I'm not a Kardashian. All right, I don't go to Dubai all the time. Right, I'm not a billionaire. It's not like the weekend and I just take a trip to Dubai. Like it was a crazy once in a lifetime kind of life circumstance sort of thing. Right, we had gone with a group from our church actually to Zimbabwe uh, to work with some churches down there um, and with a great organization that ministers to orphans and widows. And we were there for a few weeks and then we were coming back and we were connecting. Uh, Our flight was connecting in Dubai. And one of my friends who was on the trip said, when we were planning, it said, hey, it's the same price if we land in Dubai and fly straight out or if we extend our layover and we stay there for a day. Do you want to do that? I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, let's do that. And so we extended our our layover. We had about a day uh, in Dubai. And so we landed and I went to the, we went to the hotel and, you know, we got settled and then we went out to go see the city. And uh, Dubai's crazy. There's like all kinds of cool things to go see. They have a indoor ski mountain, like in a mall in the middle of the desert. They have places where you can uh, go like, you know, see camels and trained falcons, and uh, they had the, the tallest building in the world, or at least it was when I was there. I don't know. Maybe they built a taller building. I don't know. But when I was there, it was the tallest building in the world. And uh, so that's what we went to go see. We went to go see the tallest building in the world, the Burj Al Khalifa. And so we left our hotel, and we got on this like subway train kind of thing, and we, we took it over to go uh, see the building, and we saw it and got out, walked around, spent some time there, and it was really cool. It was really tall, like really tall. So if you go see it, you'll be like, wow, that's a really tall building. It was really tall. And uh, we saw it and we had a great time. It was fun. And, uh, and then we were leaving and uh, my friend was saying, hey, why don't we just walk back to the hotel? Then we can kind of see more of the city. You know, we're not that far. And he, he pointed off to this building in the distance. He's like, I know that building. I saw from our hotel window, like, we'll just go there, basically go there and make a left and, and we'll be at our hotel. And I was like, sure. Like, I don't know where we are, but you seem to know. So let's go. And so we went and we walked and, and it was the wrong building. Like it turns out a lot of these buildings look a lot alike, right? They're skyscrapers. They, they just are glass buildings, right? So we got there and it was, it was the wrong building and, and we were lost. And I don't know if you've ever been lost in another country. Um, it's challenging because, you know, our phones didn't work. Our maps didn't work. We didn't speak the language. We couldn't even read the language. So we couldn't even read the signs. We had no one to call. Uh, I didn't know anyone in Dubai. I don't have friends in Dubai. Like I said, like I'm not that kind of person. I don't have cool international friends. And so we were just stuck. Like we just were, we're like, well, what do we do? We're just stuck. What do we do? So we're looking around and we see off in the distance, we see the airport. We can see all the roads leading into the airport and we can see, you know, a couple planes coming in and out. And so we're like, okay, we know that our hotel is near the airport. So let's go walk to the airport and then figure out how to get back to our hotel from there. At least we know we're going in the right direction, right? So we go and we walk to the airport. And again, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk to an airport. They're not, that's not how they're designed. They're not, you're not supposed to walk into an airport. They're designed for like cars and vans and buses. There's not like a sidewalk up to the airport. So we're like walking on the side of the highway, just on like the right lane, just trying to avoid things. I remember we had to cut through a parking garage and I remember like to get through the parking garage, we had to like hop a fence and I was like hopping a fence in an airport. Like I'm going to get arrested. Like this is, this isn't good. And so, you know, we did, we made it. I didn't get arrested. We, we got there, we got to the airport. 
um, got to the front of the airport and we're like, okay, like, what do we, what do we do now? Like, we know we're at the airport. We know the hotel is close. Like, what do we, what do we do now? And true story, like by the grace of God, we're standing in front of the airport near the airport shuttle, you know, part where the shuttle buses come. And as we're talking about what we do now and how we find our way back and how we get to the train station, all that stuff, we see the shuttle bus from our hotel pulling up to pick up somebody, right? And so we flag them down, we're like, hey, that's us. And we, we run and we jump and we get into the shuttle bus and the bus driver's like, hey, are you going to this hotel? And we're like, yeah, like we need a ride. And he's like, well, I was sitting here to like pick up a family of five, like not you. And we're like, I know, it's a really long story. Like, please, just please, please let us go. And so he did, he was cool. He let us, he, he let us ride and we, we rode back to the hotel and it was good, it was, it was great. And I was just thinking though, I, how stuck I felt, right? When I didn't know the language, I didn't have a friend, I, di- I didn't know kind of what to do when we were lost. We just didn't have many, many options. We didn't have many resources. And I just thought, man, how great would it have been if I would have known someone in, in Dubai, if I would have had a friend who could have come and, and knew the language or, or, or shown us around or, or someone with a car who could have given us a ride, that would have been great, right? Like, someone who had some resource that could actually help, help us out. Like that would have been, that would have been, cause we were, we were stuck. We couldn't do it, couldn't do it on our own. And I bring up that story because when we read through the scriptures, right? When we, we, when we read through the Bible, we see that part of our responsibility as the church is to run to people who are in need, people who are stuck, people who are, don't have options, people who don't have resources. And for us to use what we have, to, to bring to the people in need in our community and, and help them. That's, that's part, that's near to the heart of God. And it's just all throughout scripture. And so I wanna, I wanna read a passage uh, with you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Luke chapter four, um, starting in verse 16, uh, or a Bible app, you can join us there as well. Um, Luke 4, 16, it says this, uh, and he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Okay, so where we are in in the story of Jesus' life, let's let's kind of orient ourselves here first. Where we are in the story of Jesus' life is that uh, Jesus is beginning, in Luke's gospel, beginning his ministry, beginning his public ministry. So he had just been in the wilderness, uh, fasting and praying for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, overcoming temptation. And now he's out of the wilderness and he is in Nazareth, his hometown where he grew up. And he's at the synagogue ready to start his public ministry. So the way the synagogue would have worked uh, during Jesus' time is not that different uh, from church for us today, right? They would have gathered together. They would have sung hymns together. Uh, they would have prayed together. They would have uh, read from the law, uh, the Torah and the prophets, you know, other parts of the Old Testament. And then they would have had a sermon, uh, a teaching on it, right? And so Jesus is about to start his public ministry here. So he's about to teach, right? A big part of his ministry was to teach. He's about to teach. And just think of like the, the plans of God, the sovereignty of God. It kind of makes you think like, okay, how's he going to start this whole world changing ministry? Like, what's he going to, what's he going to teach on? What scripture is he going to look at? What part of the Bible is he going to talk about? Like, what is he going to talk about to launch this public ministry? And look, look what he picks. Verse 17, the, 
the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He gets up and he reads a prophecy from the book of Isaiah about how God's anointed one, the Messiah was to come and to do these amazing things, set the captives free, preach good news to the poor, uh, heal the blind. And, and he gets up and he says, this is fulfilled in him, in front of the synagogue. And if you read the rest of the story, like Nazareth, they, they flip out, right? They're like, Joseph's son is saying he's the anointed one, the son of God, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. They don't, they don't handle, it, handle it well, right? But it's interesting, the, the passage that he picks, because he, he says all these things, he could have gone anywhere to any, any, any prophecy of the Messiah, but he chooses this prophecy in Isaiah that talks about what the Messiah will do. And he says things like, he'll proclaim good news to the poor, he'll run and help the needy, that he'll heal the sick, the, the blind, that he'll set the captives free to, to uplift the oppressed. And we see this in Jesus's ministry. We know that Jesus, the Bible teaches us, is the son of God, that he was born that he lived a perfect life without sin, that he taught us what it means to have faith, to follow after the Father, to love God with all we have, to love our neighbor as ourselves. that he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, that he took our death, that he took our punishment, the wrath of God on our behalf, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he conquered sin and death, and he offers all those who believe in him a new life, an eternal life in him. And so spiritually, he set us free, right? He he did all these things in a spiritual way, but we also see in his life that he meets people and meets their needs in a, in a physical way, right? We know that he feeds the hungry. We know that he heals the sick. We know that he brings sight to the blind. And as we read throughout scripture, we see that this is important to God. This is important that God's people would, would work in this way on his behalf in this world. Look, I want to read a couple other passages to you. It's, it's all over scripture, but Isaiah 58 verse six, it says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own, not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Or in James 1, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We see that this is near to the heart of God that the type of religious practice and religious observance that God prefers, that God commands, is a faith that moves us. 
We know that we are saved by faith alone. It is the grace of God alone in our lives that brings us eternal life. That's what Jesus has done on the cross. It's the faith that he has brought to us, the faith in who he is and what he has done that saves us and brings us eternal life and brings that relationship with the Father and gets us to, to heaven, to his kingdom, right? But as it's commonly said, we are saved by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. We know that a saving faith moves us moves us to, to go into the world, to, to be with God's people and to be with our neighbor, right? Like Jesus teaches us to, to love God with all we have and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's, it's the core heart issue of, of the whole Bible is that we are transformed by this love of God and then it overflows and pours out into the love of our neighbor. Like we know that we've been saved by faith, that God sent his son Jesus to save us, but he didn't save us so that we could then sit around and just enjoy being saved and, and look forward to heaven. He, he saved us to send us, right? He saved us to, to send us out into the world. Or the way we talk about it here at City Rev is that God rescued us to be rescuers, like God saved us so that we would then go out and be a light in a dark world, bring the good news, bring the gospel to those around us and to meet the needs of the people around us, to love God with all we have and love our neighbor, to serve God in every way that we can and serve our neighbor. That's, that was the design, that was God's design from the beginning. And that's what we're about here at City Rev, about meeting the needs of our city, serving the needy seeing the gospel and this saving faith stir something up in us that we would then go to our city and see it transformed in the name of Jesus by his power. So, so how do we do it, right? Like our city is, is broken in a lot of ways. We, we know that our world is, is broken in a lot of ways. And it's overwhelming sometimes to think of that goal and that idea of transforming South Florida, seeing God move in South Florida, seeing it be transformed by the power of the gospel, by the work of the Lord. So, so how do we do it? Well, we try to meet the needs in our city and we focus on the needs that God brings to us, right? We try to be strategic. How can we help? How can we work in our city? And, and what God has put before us, and we talked about it last week, is the need for, for foster care, for foster families. We know that um, in our city, there are a lot of kids who need homes. They need foster parents, and they don't, they don't have them. Like, we don't have foster families available. We don't have families available to take in these kids. And why... Why this issue? Why are we talking about this issue? Why are we driving home this issue? Well, a couple reasons. One, fostering is an incredible opportunity to do what the Lord has called us to do, right? To bring those who are, who are lost, who are homeless into our homes and show them the love of God. I mean, think about an evangelism opportunity, a discipleship opportunity to be a witness, to show the love of God in a real and tangible way to bring a kid into your home. Second reason is it is an urgent need. Pastor Roby shared this last week that our foster situation, that the need for families um, has, hasn't been this bad in a really, really long time. It's a desperate, urgent need 
in our city. And then the, the third reason, and one that really, really excites me, is that by supporting, by fostering children and supporting um, the foster families and really taking on this issue on our, on our shoulders, is that we can really work upstream. We can move and intervene in the lives of kids that can really then affect a lot of the problems that we see in our city. It's a chance for us to, to intervene and it has a ripple effect, right? It has a, it has a cause and effect. It, it shows that, man, that lives will change. Our city will be transformed if we step in at this moment. Fostering is really a key, important uh, time to intervene in the life of a child to set their course for the future in a good direction. This is our issue. This is the church's problem. The rest of the world sees it clearly. They say, hey, these issues in our society, the church needs to be a part of solving this. This is their, this is their job. The church is us, right? And if you're like me, it's, it's sometimes so overwhelming and difficult to see the problems in our city that I try to take that burden off my shoulders. I try to push that responsibility away and I, I look forward, right? And I say, yeah, like our world is broken. Our city is broken in so many ways, but, but Jesus will return one day. And when he returns, he will bring in his new kingdom. He will make all things new. He will make all things right. And, and amen, like, I agree with that. We, we praise the Lord, we pray, we wait. That is our hope. That is our expectant hope. But just because we look forward to the future, we know that Jesus will restore all things. It does not give us a pass to neglect the needs of our city today. Like it, we have no excuse. Jesus calls us to love God with all we have and love our neighbor as ourself, to, to run to the needy, to run to the poor. And there's an expectation from our Lord that we work here and now on the needs of our city while we wait and pray for what the Lord will do when he returns. And this is our responsibility. This is our job. This is our role. Supporting foster families is, is squarely on the shoulders of the church. And when we neglect that, there are devastating consequences. When we are not the safety net, net, the support network, the group that comes alongside families, when we're not doing that job, when we're not following what God has called us to do, there are devastating consequences in our city. So in just a minute, I'm, we're gonna sh show you video. And this is a, a difficult story to, to hear and to listen to. But I, we're not sharing this to manipulate, to, to pull on your heartstrings. What I, what I'm trying to get across is that this is our responsibility. And when we don't step up and do our job, the cause and effect that then happens is, is tragic. There's um, this book for some of you marketplace leaders, those of you in business, uh, called Good to Great. Maybe you've, you've read it by this guy, Jim Collins. And he talks about like companies, like failing companies, the difference between failing companies and, and good companies or good to great, like what makes a great company? He says this, he says, all good to great companies began the process of finding a path to greatness by confronting the brutal facts of their current reality. When you start with an honest and diligent effort to determine the truth of your situation, the right decisions often become self-evident. It is impossible 
to make good decisions without infusing the entire process with an honest confrontation of the brutal facts. And that's what we, we want to do. We, we just want to look at the facts and say, hey, our city is broken and suffering in so many ways. Why? And what can we do? What can we do to, to stop this, to help this? And when we look at the brutal facts and look at the cause and effect and look at the chain reaction, we see foster care rise to the top of the needs and say, whoa, this is, this is a big, important issue. So let me share this video. Let's watch this video uh, together. So I think it was November, December, an article came out in the Sun Sentinel um, about a girl who had come into the foster care system, I believe in Broward County, in uh, late part of last year. And there was no homes available. This is typically what happens, right? Especially for teens. We always hear teens or sibling groups, it's hard to find homes. Although we just placed three teens yesterday, which I was happy to hear, a 15, 16, and 17 year old. But this girl came into care, her mom couldn't care for her. So her mom recognized that I can't care for my child. The grandmother also just was in a place where she couldn't take her in. So she ended up in a, in a, a group shelter facility is what we call it. Um, which, for some kids in the system, you know, it's a necessary part of the system of care that we talk about, these group care facilities. But the state monitors how many kids are in there, and, and typically, I'm told that half of the kids that are in these group facilities should be in a traditional home. There's no reason they should be there. They don't have any you know, criminal record or any behavioral things that were required. There's just not enough homes, enough capacity. So this girl ended up in a group care facility, and. Um, she, as this happens a lot too, uh, girls are targeted for human trafficking because they're in a desperate situation. They feel like nobody cares about them. And they actually have people that watch girls come into these facilities and boys and they actually target them to get them into the sex trafficking trade. And uh, there's a staggering statistic um, that says, I think it's 82% of kids that are rescued from human trafficking in the US have spent time in child welfare. So that's really what happens when you can't put a kid in a home. And so this girl, unfortunately, had instances where she was being used as a vehicle to make money. Um, and then she got involved with, with drugs and being drugged, being beaten. And sometimes too, when there's not enough room, even in facilities in Broward County, a kid will get sent to different counties. This girl's story that I read in the paper, she ended up in Jacksonville I think in another group care facility, was on the run all the time. She was still, um, I believe, being used for human trafficking and she was being drugged. And um, a, a gentleman saw her stumbling through a truck stop and he, there was a little motel and he had a room and he saw her and was like, do you just need a place to sleep for the night? And I, from what I read in the story, he opened up his room, let her stay for the night. In the morning, she was dead. So because of, I assume, an overdose or whatever abuse she had experienced, she just died. And when I read that story, it really broke my heart. A lot of people in our work feel defensive when they hear stories like that because there are people out there that want to tell bad stories that the system is broken. For me, it was completely different. God broke my heart. It broke my heart when I read that story. I was just crushed to think that we let her down. I could almost guarantee if she ended up in a four kids foster home, that wouldn't have been her, her fate. So. 
crush me. But um, just like in COVID, when we started to hear stories of kids coming in with unimaginable abuse, um, this one four-month-old came in with 17 broken bones. This is back in 2020 in April, and it just motivated me, like, we have to do better. So when I read this story um, about this young girl that passed away, it just it crushed my spirit, but it motivated me to just want to do more, to want to pray harder, to want to make sure we're working and innovating. But at the end of the day, we know God has to move. And we, we a great message about that this morning. God, God's spirit has to move, his, just like it did for me and Michelle 17 years ago. Like his spirit has to go out in the church and we're praying for a miracle. We're, we're praying for a revival that we do not have to say no to any children. The church has such an opportunity as society is also waking up from COVID and that funk that everybody is in. The church right now has an opportunity that if we, if we could just have enough homes for these kids, the, the state is looking at us. We're the best at this. We're the best at recruiting families. And the state, we just had a meeting a couple weeks ago with the CEO of ChildNet, the lead agency here in Broad County, and they're like, we need more families. And I said, you don't have to tell us, we know. We know we need more families and we are working diligently and praying fervently that God would radically uh, use his bride, the church, the body of Christ to rise up so that no more times do we need to say no to children that need a safe, loving home to be in. It's a, it's a tragedy. So let's review what, what God has called us to do to, to establish his kingdom. And he's called us as a church to do so in, in South Florida. And he's called this, this faith that has moved us, this movement of God that has stirred something up in you to then lead to action and, and for us to run to the needs of our city, to meet the poor, to meet the desperate. I mean, who's... Who's more poor and desperate than a, than a kid from a broken home like this? Like they have nothing. And, and when we don't, we see, see the consequences. But this is a, a big opportunity for us to, to work in our city because this is a central need because it is upstream of so many problems in our city. So we're, it's, like, it's like a river. Let's show you guys, we'll do this illustration. We'll show you a river here. And it's like uh, the problems in our city are like a river, right? So up at the front, like any river, upstream, uh, you have the, the source of the river, and then it flows down, right, to what we see. And so we know that the source of the problems in our city, it starts spiritually, right? That we are separated from God, our sin, our brokenness, our selfishness, that we don't treat people the way we should, that we don't look to God, that we are out for ourselves, that this sin leads to problems, and then sinful, broken people set up systems that are sinful and broken and that are used for the wrong reasons, for, for greed or for, for self or to put down others for oppression. Like we, we know all these things happen, right? And then what then comes downstream is then the societal problems that we see, the issues that we see of sinful, broken people trying to navigate a sinful, broken world and not handling it well and then dealing with a world that's already stacked against them. And then it, it, it outputs and leads downstream to the issues that we all see. So there's some downstream issues that we know, um, human trafficking, incarceration, homelessness, 
These are issues in our city that, that we see and that we weep and that we pray for. And we, we run to those needs, right? There are great Christian organizations working in all three of these areas to, to minister, but it can become overwhelming. It just seems like, well, how do we, how do we stop this, right? It's just, these problems are so prevalent and there's just so much in our, in our city. So one of the ways that we can work strategically as the church is to move upstream from that and say, well, how can we deal with these issues upstream? And we see that foster care is a way that we can touch all of these issues. I wanna read a couple of statistics to you. They were shared last week by Pastor Roby, but I, I just wanna hit them again really quickly about foster care. 50% of the homeless population has had a touch in the foster care system, 50%. 60% of those human trafficked have come out of the foster care system. Kids who have spent time in foster care are three and a half times more likely to suffer from PTSD than a war veteran. Think about mental health and 90% of youth with five plus foster placements, so they've had to move from home to home, will enter into the justice system. 80% of inmates on death row have touched the foster care system. So we think, how do we deal with these kind of downstream issues? Well, we work upstream. We, we work and support the foster care system, right? So we, we foster kids, we become foster families, we support foster families, we support the organizations that do good work in the foster care system. And then we think, okay, well then how do we move upstream even more? And what's upstream of foster care is a thing called Care Portal. And so Care Portal, uh, is an app basically on your phone that will help you meet the needs of people in our city. Um, Care Portal is an app that you can download uh, on your phone right now. Uh, and really what it has is it has the needs listed from families who are about to enter, for kids who are about to enter into the foster care system. And so the way it works is you download this app and then you uh, sign in and you can say you're part of City Rev and it'll show you you know, our group, our area of town of Broward County. And then what it'll show you is it'll just show you a list of needs in our city from families that are vetted, that someone has worked with this family and seen, okay, this is a, a roadblock. This is a family that's stuck. This is something they need to keep these kids out of the foster care system. So like a social worker or a caseworker will be working with a family and then they'll see, okay, here are the needs and they'll be working with the family and they're you know, working with the state and they're saying, okay, here are, are the gaps. Here are the needs this family has to keep these kids from going into the foster care system. So I, I went on just, just this weekend, just like yesterday, I was looking at it. Here's a couple that I saw just reading off my, off my phone. Uh, one was a family, a mother and father with four kids who were on a homeless shelter wait list and they were living in a park in Oakland Park and they needed a short hotel stay to get a break from the street while some organizations worked on housing for them. So they needed money to stay in a hotel to get these four kids off the street. Or how about this one that I saw yesterday that was still unmet? A single mom with two kids, one is very medically needy, therefore mom is unable to work because she has to care for the child. And the child was set to release from Broward Children's Center and the mom needed a dresser 
so that she could store the child's clothing and she needed a car seat so that she could follow state guidelines and keep her kids from going into the foster care system. The need was $315. $315. Single mom, two kids. The state, the social worker, the caseworker, like they're saying, hey, what this person needs to work upstream, what this, what this lady needs, this mom needs to keep her kids from entering the foster care system. It's $315 to buy a dresser and a car seat. And for her, she's stuck. That's impossible. For some of us, you might have that in your wallet. And Care Portal brings the needs of our city like right there to our phone. It's amazing. So for us to think, well, how do we serve our city? How do we reach our city? Care Portal is a great way to start. We talked about a couple of things that we can do as a church to meet the needs of our city. The first of which, and we talked about this last week, is to pray. Many of you filled out a form and signed up to pray. Pray. Pray for our city. Pray for these families. Pray for these kids. Pray for four kids. Pray for the foster care system. Pray. The second thing you can do, maybe an easy step for you, would be to download the, the Care Portal app on your phone. Um, Maybe you talk to your community group. If you're part of a community group, say, hey, let's, let's go in together. Maybe we you know, go in as a community group and we buy this car seat and this dresser. And you know, the great thing about Care Portal is then you communicate to the caseworker, say, hey, we're, we're gonna meet this need. We're gonna bring the, the car seat and the dresser. And they'll say, okay, great, go, go drop it off. And you can like meet these people. You can bring them the things. You can pray with them. And we can step in right then. We can fill in the gap and we can meet these needs and we can change our city. Or maybe as we've been talking these past couple weeks about foster care, you've been open to that idea and you feel like the Lord's doing something in your heart and you're like, I don't know where I'm at yet, but I'm, but I'm open to exploring the idea of, of foster care. Well, we've got a couple of things. What next week is we're gonna have a training right after church on the Care Portal app. So go ahead and download it this week, you know, get familiar with it. And then if you're interested, come to the training next week after service. And, and learn more about the Care Portal app. But then in two weeks, we're gonna have an informational meeting on fostering in the foster care system. And so maybe you're just exploring the idea. If you go to this meeting, you're not signing up to be uh, a foster parent. You're not, you're not signing up for anything. It's just uh, a way for you to get information about the foster care system and about how we can help and support the families who are in need. So a great way to do that if you're even exploring the idea would be to pull out your phone, go to the camera app, and then point it at this QR code. And then when you point it at this QR code, it's going to, you're gonna click on it, it's gonna uh, send a text message, it's gonna fill it all in, and then you just send that text message. And then what it does is it'll keep you up to date about uh, when this meeting is. So Sunday, June 4th, a couple weeks, after each service, we're gonna have a foster care informational meeting. It's a great way to be reminded, a great way to stay up to date uh, and, and follow along and explore the idea of maybe helping and serving in the foster care system. So if we take these steps, the church rises up and steps in. Can you think and dream of what that could mean for our city? Could you think about if we, if we stepped up and we, we filled in that gap and we intervened in the lives of these broken families and the lives of these desperate and needy kids, what that could then do, the downstream effects that it would have on our city, on homelessness, on 
human trafficking, the carcer, like all these issues that, that foster care touches, what it could do. And think of it even individually, how it could change the lives of some of these families, some of these kids. And then think of the ripple effect, the generational impact of what could happen if we intervene and help some of these kids find a new path, a new way to live for the Lord, to live in a, in a good Christian home, to, to, to show them what it looks like to follow after him. If we stepped up and we, we took that on that responsibility, we did the job that God has called us to do, how it could transform generations. I wanna show you one more video. Um, and this video uh, shows what could happen if the church steps up and rises up. Let's check it out. So the story of the eight-year-old is his mom had been going around town um, looking for help. And they finally met with one of our partner agencies and he just was so sullen and sad and, you know, but he saw, they were like, hey, we're gonna get you guys some help. We're, we're really gonna put this in the care portal. And they didn't really understand what care portal was, what that really looked like, what that meant. Um, and this was one of our requests that got met quickly. So some of our requests can get met in like five minutes and then they're meeting with the family like the next day. When someone came out to meet his mom and they got the help so quickly, his whole continence changed. So when they went back for their follow-up appointment, the worker was like, hey, you're so different. And he said, ma'am, can I tell you, I was really thinking about committing suicide. And this is an eight-year-old kid. And when he saw his mom being loved on and them getting help from the local church, it just changed his whole outlook. And he was like, I have so much to live for because I know that there are good people out there. The, the true act of someone loving on them and wrapping around them and no strings attached. Because we all know most people who want to help, they want something in return. But through Care Portal, you're specifically told, you know, this person may not reciprocate and because they're in poverty, they may actually look at things differently than you. They may not say, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you helped me. It may be, what do you want? But then it's like, hey, I just want to love on you because Jesus wanted me to love on you. And I am doing this out of my own pocket and out of my own generosity. And this is what Jesus has. So if you would love to come to our church, you can get the fullness of it. I see it that Care Portal did more than just save a life. Care Portal saved many lives because of the devastation of an eight-year-old committing suicide. What would it have done to the mom? What would it have done to the extended family? All because of a bad situation. And that always reminds me that you can't just focus on the situation. But when you're that far down the road and this is all you kind of know, this has been your norm, it leads to that type of depression. But Jesus is bigger than depression. Jesus is bigger than anything we know. And the great thing is that little boy saw that Jesus and love and church family is bigger than that situation. Amen. These are the needs of our city. These are our kids and our families. 
and what they're going through. And we, we can't turn away. We can't look away. We can't ignore it. It's our responsibility. We have a responsibility to our city to be the church and to step in and to act because that's who our God is. Our God looked down on us and saw us desperate and needy and poor, dead to sin, enslaved in sin. And giving up everything came down to save us, to rescue us, to die on the cross for your sins and mine, to give us a new life. Our God is a rescuer. The story of the gospel is a rescue story. The story of the gospel is an adoption story that God saw us outside of the kingdom, outside of the family of God, that sin had separated us. And he came down, he took on the price, he took on the steps and he did what needed to be done to adopt us and bring us into his family and his kingdom forever. This is our God, this is our savior, this is the one we follow. So let us be the church, be Christians, be like our Christ and like our Lord and go and meet the needs of our people. The first step for you maybe is, hey, I, I want to be part of it. I want to go rescue. Well, it's for you to be rescued. So let the Lord save you to give you that new spirit, to give you that new life, to bring you into the family and join the team. And then let us work together to, to serve our city and see God move and transform our city. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to pray. And maybe for you, God's been stirring something up in you and you just, you want what God has to offer. Then I'm going to ask that you would just pray along with me. So let everybody uh, bow their heads, close their eyes, and let's end our time together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would move for my friends here just looking for you, desperate for you, just to pray along with me that, God, I, I'm a sinner. I'm far from you. I know that my sin has separated me from you and from your kingdom. I believe that Jesus has come and died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus offers me new life. So Lord, forgive me of my sins. By the blood of Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Send your spirit to live within me. And Lord, bring me into your kingdom and into your family. And God, I pray for our church, for those who are moved and stirred up, Lord, that we wouldn't look away. That you would show us how we can meet needs, how we can work. And God, how we can serve our city. Fulfill this this vision, this, this mission, this goal that you have called us to, to see South Florida transformed by the gospel, by, by your work. So Lord, let us be instruments in your hands. Bless us, use us, give us courage, give us faith. God, meet us where we are, guide us. In Jesus' name, I pray these things, amen. Hey, for some of you, maybe you put your faith um, in Jesus today. Uh, a great way for you to figure out next steps is to go to cityrev.org faith. We would love to help you uh, along this, this walk of faith and this journey. Uh, and then maybe for some of you, you got some stuff going on. You, you just need some prayer. We've got some people down front who would love to pray with you um, and, and just be here to support you. Uh, but we're going to end our service today with a song, with worship. So I encourage you to stand up. I invite you to stand up with me and uh, let's sing together.